Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, and we want to thank you for tuning in today to Warehouse Church. Can you believe that today is Palm Sunday, one week before Easter? And we're very, very excited about our Easter service because we're still meeting as a church. It's the way that we are now online, and we're so thankful to be able to do that, to be able to have Warehouse Church in your homes, just like you saw in all of our greetings from a lot of our church family this week. So we're going to ask you to be involved this week in some very specific ways so that our whole church community can start getting ready for Easter Sunday. Every single day, we're doing a seven-day challenge every single day this week, starting right after today's service at noon. I'm going on my Facebook Live, which will be on our Warehouse Church page, and we're going to give you seven different creative ways that you can invite people to come to church service next week. Now, a couple of those days will involve your children and uh, some fun things that Rachel is going to be doing with them. And there'll just be ways for all of you to engage on your phone, through text messaging, uh, through uh, evites, through uh, phone calls and creative ways to invite as many people as you can to our church services next Sunday at 10 o'clock. But let me go through what we're going to be doing this week. Every day at noon, I'm going to be going on my Facebook Live. And I'd invite you to join in and let us know you're there and say hi, and I'll respond to you as well. But uh, when we give those seven ways, seven different days of ways to invite and engage with our community, you'll be connected to the church all through the week, and I know that'll be an encouragement to you. And then on Wednesday night, we're going to continue our Wednesday night 7 p.m. prayer time. While we're in our prayer service, I want to encourage you throughout the week to go to our Warehouse Church prayer community page on Facebook, and uh, you'll, you'll be able to see that on our church Facebook. That'll be posted today on how you can get connected to that. It's a closed group. It's just for the Warehouse Church family, because a lot of prayer requests are personal. We want to, you know, respect your privacy, but you share those prayer requests, and on Wednesday night, Kim and I are going to meet with you at 7 p.m. on Facebook Live, and we'll go through the prayer requests on our Warehouse Church page as well as any requests that come in live while we're doing that time together. And then we're doing something really fun this week, Wednesday and Thursday. We have a ton of stuff that we're going to invite you to come to the church and actually be a part of what we're doing for Easter this year. On Wednesday and Thursday, we have some things we're inviting you to come and to pick up. First of all, for our outreach for Easter, every year we do something really, really special where we would collect baby, we give away baby bottles for you to fill with change and with cash that we bring back on Mother's Day. Well, those baby bottles will be here on Wednesday and Thursday from 11 to 1. We're going to have a big drop-off and pickup area for your, you don't even have to get out of your car. We'll have a tent out in the parking lot. You pull right up. We're going to give you all these things that I'm going to tell you about right now. One of those things are our baby bottles to help out the Pregnancy Care Center uh, in our community that we support. It's up in Frisco. And then we also have yard signs for you to put in, to put in your yard uh, as one of the seven ways that we're going to be inviting our community 
to, to come to our church service online, we're going to invite you to take a yard sign this week. Just plant it right in your yard. We'll have our church information, our online information. People walking by your house and people driving by will be able to pick those up. Also, um, we are going to have t-shirts available for you to buy this week. And all of the proceeds for our Warehouse Church t-shirts, the newest one we made, new design with a really cool uh, logo on the front of it. I'm going to let that be a surprise to you. We'll post that on the day that we talk about that. But we're going to invite you to take those t-shirts for pictures, for invites, but all of the proceeds for the purchase of those t-shirts we're going to give to help support uh, manna feeding centers in Guatemala. So everything we raise towards that will go towards manna feeding centers in Guatemala. And then you can also pick up on Wednesday and Thursday, we have those communion cups that have the grape juice and the cracker all wrapped up in one. If you let us know how many you need, we'll have them here for you Wednesday and Thursday this week from 11 o'clock in the morning to 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Pick up as many as you need. We're also going to place on Facebook this week and email and text message instructions if you can't come by the church this week of what you need to purchase from the grocery store. It's pretty easy. It's just grape juice and then um, like pita bread or unleavened bread. And there's a reason we use unleavened bread. Uh, it's, it's a symbolic gesture of the, of the pureness of Jesus Christ. But we'll talk about that in communion service on Friday at noon on Facebook Live. We're going to ask you to participate in that. So there's a lot of things that are going on this week in the church that we want you to be connected to. But one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you before my message, or before the message this morning, was... We usually do uh, in our live church services, right, when we're all together, uh, we'll have a time and we always say that giving is part of our worship. And then we'll pray over it and then our ushers will come and receive and a lot of people will do it that way. We have a lot of people that do online giving and even others that do text giving. We appreciate all those opportunities. But I wanted to stop for a moment and say thank you. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1 in verse number 3, Paul says, I thank my God every time... I remember you in my prayers. Church, I want to tell you something. You have been so faithful during this time. I know the biggest, scariest part for a lot of pastors all across the country, a lot of churches across the country was, if we're not meeting live, how in the world are we going to be able to sustain the needs of the church so we could still be a blessing to our community? I got to tell you, church, you have stepped up to the plate. Our giving has not only sustained itself, We've seen an increase in the past couple weeks. Can I get an amen for that? I'm so, so thankful for all of you that have participated and that will participate in the next few weeks by being faithful in your giving. And it's, it's what a blessing that is to know that even though we're not here, listen, I miss you. I miss my hugs on Sunday morning, all the people I get to say hi to. I miss you. I can't wait till we're all together again. But I want you to know that while we're meeting this way, it's still significant and important for all of us to be connected, and you've done so well. I just want to thank you for that, and I want to pray for you and pray for our giving this morning. So if you're giving online at www.warehousechurch.com backslash give, or through our text giving, the number's going to be on the screen. Or if you would like to mail your gift to the church to our address, or even on Wednesday and Thursday when we have our uh, pickups for your Easter stuff, you can drop something by if you want to. But I just want to say thank you. And just like we do on Sunday mornings normally when we meet together, I just want to pray for our offering this morning and pray for you 
uh, that God would bless and take these things that, that, that we're able to give back to him and, and use those uh, to do things way beyond ourselves to reach people all over the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So can I invite you this morning to pray with me as, as part of our worship service this morning as we thank God for the giving that's going to take place for the Lord's work right here at Warehouse Church. Let's pray. This morning, Father, we just want to say thank you. Um, it's, it's humbling to understand the work that you're doing in individuals' lives, and families' lives, and what you're doing in and through our church. Different stories of people that have dropped off stuff, given online, and, and, and the way that they're responding and talking to us about it and talking to their families about it. Maybe even this morning, Father, moms and dads talk to their kids about it and how they participate and, and, and how it's important for all of us to be faithful in our giving. But Lord, uh, my, my plea this morning to our people is not to ask, it's to thank. And we want to thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of your people. And we pray that you'll bless everything that's given this week, that it'll be used for your honor and your glory, that we would be able to increase our influence with the gospel, take care of the missionary needs all over the world, meet needs right here in our community, and be a blessing to those uh, that are without. Father, we love you. Thank you that we are in a place where we can give. Be with families all over, uh, all over today, Lord, that are worshiping with us this morning online. Bless them. We pray that they'll be encouraged by the message this morning and that you would be honored and glorified. Prepare our hearts for all that we're going to do for our Easter services for next Sunday starting today and be honored and glorified as we open up your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And say it with me, and you can type it in your bar online. Just put amen with me on there, okay? So anyway, I'm really, really privileged this morning to share something with you. I'm very, very proud of our team. Uh, they've done such a great job in preparing our online services, and we're just doing so many different levels of interaction through the week. If you have an opportunity, I want you to go on to our youth pastor, my son-in-law, Johnny Papero's Instagram this week. He has been doing some super, super crazy stuff, and it's been, it's been, it's been kind of my entertainment during the week, and I'm even, uh, even talking and, and uh, engaging with that too. But I wanted Johnny to come up. I know a lot of you know him, and a lot of you have seen his growth over the past three or four years, and so many of you are part of that and have encouraged him. But I've asked Johnny, uh, if he would, to speak for us today. And I want you to stay, and I want you to listen to what God put on this man's heart today for us, uh, for this time of worship today. And I want you to say some things to not only encourage each other while you're watching this, give some amens, interact with us while this is happening, give Johnny a little love uh, for what he's sharing this morning, and maybe even after the service, you can let him know how much of encouragement he was to you this morning. But church, friends, family, all over the place that are watching this morning, it is my pleasure and honor to introduce to you uh, my son-in-law, our student pastor, Johnny Papero. Thank you, Pastor Ed, and good morning, church. I am excited to be speaking to you this morning for a few minutes. Um, I have the great privilege of leading our student ministry called The Crew here at Warehouse Church. I love our students probably all home right now watching this or TikTok, one or the other, I'm not sure, uh, but either way, they probably are making fun of me. 
Um, we're currently in a series, as Pastor, had, uh, Pastor Ed told you before, called Spring Training, which kind of deals with um, the relationship Jesus has had with his disciples, things he's instilled into them and taught them. And this morning, we are going to be reading out of John 21. So if you are following along, you can turn there right now, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, I love this story. It's a great story in John. I love the interaction here between Jesus and his disciples. Um, but before we get to that, we need to go all the way back to the beginning to understand this. And it all started on a Christmas morning in 2004. There was an NBA player by the name of Carmelo Anthony who was taking over the league, him and LeBron James at the time. Um, and I was obsessed with Carmelo Anthony. I loved him. I wore headbands to school because of him. I would play video games and I would only be him. I was obsessed with him. And listen, I didn't ask for a lot of things for Christmas. I really didn't. But what I did want was a powder blue Carmelo Anthony jersey. So it becomes Christmas morning. Listen, this is a real story. Check this. Get downstairs. My brother's there. I'm there. We're opening our presents. Got mine with my names on it, my brother's with his, and I'm ripping through presents, getting off the wrapping paper, opening boxes, and I get to my last present. I didn't hit the jackpot yet. So I go to this box. It looks like a, a jersey could be in this box. So I start to do the wrapping paper, and I open the box, and it was anything but a Carmelo Anthony jersey. I was so upset. Oh, my gosh. And then I hear my parents over my shoulder yelling at my brother like usual, Michael, what are you doing? That was for Johnny to open. And I got so red. I look over my shoulder and there my brother was holding this powder blue Carmelo Anthony jersey. Did you not see the name on the box, Mike? And there I was, little Johnny stomping up to his room, upset angry, life is ruined, all because of this atrocity that took place on Jesus' birthday? <laughs> Listen, I know, I know it's stupid, but have you ever really found yourself reacting to things that really, in the right context, are not that important? Looking back on them, they're really not that important. Can we talk about that idea this morning of what's really important, and where does Jesus line up? With this idea in your life. Jesus spent three years doing life with his disciples. Lived with them. Loved. Taught them. Even corrected them on things that actually mean something in life. You name a good thing that you can instill into someone. And Jesus wrote the book on it. And as I was preparing for this talk, going over this passage here in John, something honestly started to convict me, like coming after the pride in my heart, bringing me to a place of submission to the one that I serve, and that is this church. It was not, is not, and never will be about me, but it was, it is, and it will always be about Jesus. And in John 21... We see Jesus interact with his disciples in a way that really opens your soul to this idea. Let's read this together, church. This is John 21, 1 through 14. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. 
Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, because obviously you fish naked, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed him uh, with the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning uh, with coals there and fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat. And dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is a great passage. And I think it's important, church, to understand that there are actually things, situations in our lives that are actually supposed to be more important to us. Things that are actually worth our time, worth our energy, worth our concerns, our efforts. And if we can face the hard truth and reflect for just a second, where am I actually putting my efforts? Where am I actually putting my energy? Where am I actually putting my time? We can really start to paint a picture in our lives of with what is actually most important to us. I just wanted that stupid jersey. Life is over! Have you ever talked yourself into being angry? Like, oh, I wanted was my mom. Honey, honey, are you okay? Oh, oh, I'm fine, mom. I am fine. Oh, but Mike, you're going to find out how angry I am. You think that's funny, Mike? I am opening every present you ever get for the rest of your life. And as stupid as it is, now as I enter my 30s, do we not do the same thing still as adults? Not everything should mean that much to us as we think it should. If everything is important, then, well, nothing really is important. Do you get what I'm saying, church? Situations, objects can almost leave us unhinged as we forget what in life should really be of most importance. And instead we like to live in our circumstances. We are all normal people. Normal human beings. All in this thing called life together. All facing the same stuff right now. You can just turn on the news. The economy occupations, what's going to happen, security. We really are fickle creatures, aren't we, Kirch? Isn't it amazing? Have you ever left a funeral or, or even had a loved one pass? Our brains can kind of get into this headspace in light of death. You find yourself leaving and saying, I am done with this, this, and this. None of these are important. But as time passes and Life happens. It's amazing how many things we've really let consume ourselves. You might say, Johnny, why are you saying all this? Because as I was reading this passage here in John, I really started to sympathize 
with these disciples, the things that they were probably going through, the things that they were probably dealing with. Because by the time we pick up the story here in John, Jesus has already been crucified, died, buried in a rich man's tomb. And just like he said, three days later, he rose from the dead, which is to say, simply put, Jesus actually predicted his death, burial, and resurrection. And he's the only one to ever pull it off. And why do we know this? Because we have eyewitnesses who actually spread the good news through generations. John 21 was recorded after the resurrection. By word of mouth, hundreds of people physically saw Jesus die. And I'm here today passionately preaching about the only person I know, Jesus, the only person that I'm obsessed with that has actually predicted their death, burial, and resurrection, fulfilling 600 prophecies while hanging on a cross. I'm obsessed with him. He is everything, church. And we have that comfort today. But this passage in John, things seem to be in a little bit of a state of limbo for these disciples. The Bible tells us up to this point now, Jesus has appeared two times to his closest friends post-resurrection. The disciples were feeling, I mean, a little unsettled. Don't get me wrong. Are they happy Jesus is alive? Absolutely. But they probably have a lot of questions, I'm sure. Things are not going as they thought they would be. Peter is unsettled. I need to get some air. I need some space. Peter says, let's get some air. Let's go fishing. Now remember, from a young age, Peter was a fisherman, and he was a good one. He knew the water, lived by the water. It was his getaway, his hobby. So Peter says, I need some air. Let's go fishing. Is it okay this morning, church, if we can just humanize these young men for a moment? Humanize these Bible characters. They were just real people like you and me. What's going on in their minds? So Peter looks like, man. I need to clear my head. I need a little space. I mean, I know Jesus is back, but I'm really not understanding everything that's happening right now. What is going on? What is Jesus actually going to do next? Do we not do the same thing as Peter? What does this mean for my job? For my identity? Remember, these guys left their jobs to follow Jesus. They were jobless with Jesus for three years. What is he going to do next? What is the plan? Are we still going to Rome to establish Jesus' political campaign? So Peter goes fishing. The others follow. We'll go too. So we find them out there in a boat fishing, fishing and thinking. And then Jesus shows up out there all night. Didn't catch a single fish And this guy yells out from shore, catch anything? No. They don't know it's Jesus, but he yells back with some of the worst fishing advice in history. Hey, try moving your net about seven and a half feet over. That'll do it. And I think they really start to catch on. They move the net, and almost instantaneously, the Bible says, they caught 153 big fish. John looks at the catch, probably starts to remember Luke 5, which we'll get to, and he looks up at Peter and he says, it's him, Peter, it's him, it's Jesus. And Peter gets so excited that he jumps into the water and swims, what the Bible tells us, an entire football field length back to shore. He gets to shore, out of breath, and it becomes this quiet scene as No one wants to ruin this holy moment. And Jesus kind of goes, hey, 
bring me some of the fish that you just caught. And by the time these guys got back to shore, by the time Peter swam back to shore, Jesus already had, the Bible tells us, a fire going. He already had fish being cooked, just waiting for the disciples. And Jesus tells them to sit down, and it becomes this beautiful scene. But before we even get there, John paints this picture while on the boat. It says that they caught 153 big fish. And I know that doesn't sound like a very eye-opening number, not something that might make it onto an episode of The Deadliest Catch, but can we bring this into the context for the day and age in which it's happened? 153 fish church was a career-making catch. The Bible tells us that the nets didn't break. Why? Because they should have. The nets were not made for a catch this big. The boat was not made for a catch this big. For fishermen, this was a career-making moment. This is how legends are born in a fishing community. Everybody is going to hear about this catch. Catch 153. You ever hear about Catch 153? Hey, hey, you think that's a good story, man? Have you ever heard the story about the dudes who caught 153? Man, that ain't true. Oh, it was. I heard about it. I got some buddies who've seen it. This is a big moment, church. Money-wise, reputation-wise, career-wise. But as I was reading these verses and the disciples get to shore, okay, and the story starts to unfold, I ask myself, what do they actually do with this life-changing catch? Okay, Peter swims to shore. We got that. The others pull up right behind him. Okay, check. We got that. Jesus is there already with fish being cooked, but he still tells Peter to go grab a couple of those new ones because they left them off shore? Disregard it to be with Jesus? Jesus says to Peter, go get some of the fish. And it seems as if Peter's almost like, oh, 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 okay, Jesus, I almost forgot about those. Am I the only one that's starting to pick up that this life-changing catch is becoming a little bit of an afterthought? How do we relate to this church? It may not seem like a big deal. They left the fish off the boat. Wow. But can we be open, church? What does that mean for us today? Because we're all fishing. We're all fishing for something, waiting on the big catch. And it started to occur to me that maybe, just maybe, Jesus already had on shore what the disciples were looking for all along. Go get some of the new ones, but Jesus, you already, you already had some. And Jesus smiling, in my book he is, I know. But go get some of them anyway. Put a couple of them uh, around the fire. Mix it with the ones that I already have prepared for you. Is Jesus teaching us a message here, church? I wonder if what you're fishing for with your time, your efforts, your skills, Jesus already has it for you. And he's even willing to include what you've already caught. But the question is, is it the way that you think it should be? 
I mean, what were those disciples really doing out there on that boat? Having bro time? Hey, Peter, it was cool to see Jesus again, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. You think everything's going to work out? I don't know, John. Hey, if we're still going to Rome, you think you or me is going to become vice president? John, what are you saying? I don't know. I sure wish we can just catch something out here. I wonder what Peter was really wrestling with at this very moment. This dude was with Jesus every day for three years, learning, understanding what's really important in life. Have you ever known enough about God to make life living without him seem almost unbearable? I think Peter was feeling like this right here. Because there's more to life, church. There's more than just our career, our goals, our wants, even our needs. I think I'm supposed to know God. Catch 153. Man, why do they even put that number in there? I mean, why not just say they caught a lot of fish? I think John really wanted us to understand the gravity of the catch. Set for life. Your resume would go something like this. I once caught 153 fish, yet you're hired. 153? 153, sir. One time? One time. One catch? One catch. I got some of my buddies here that can verify. Yet you're hired. You can start today. Set for life. And yet John pens this moment on shore, this life-changing moment, this life-changing number almost becomes irrelevant, forgotten about as the disciples just sit in the presence of Jesus. No stress, no worries, just a soft, gentle voice to come and eat breakfast. And Peter understood that. Church, Peter knew life change. Peter came a long way, and just going over this story reminded me of Peter's spiritual journey from Luke 5. Luke 5 was a fishing story as well at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and the Bible tells us that the disciples get a catch so big it starts to break the nets and starts to sink the boats. But I want us to focus on Peter's response here to Jesus to this miracle Jesus has done. And this is Luke 5, 8 through 9. Let's read this together, church. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. Peter goes, Get away from me. I can't. You can't. Jesus, I am not a good person. I am a bad man. Where was Peter's, where was even the disciples' focus here, church? The disciples and Peter's focus, the Bible says, they were astonished at the what? At the catch. And this is where we find ourselves most of the time. Jesus, I can't. I am a sinner. I need space. You need to get away from me. I am not a good person. Hold up. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Is this 
the same Peter fast forward almost three years to John 21? Jesus, I mean, excuse me, John goes, it's him. It's him. And what was Peter's response here? It wasn't, no, get away from me, Jesus. It wasn't, no, I am no good. And by the way, by the time John 21 happens, Peter has now denied Jesus three times. But instead, what does he do? He doesn't even think. He dives into the water. I can't even begin to imagine what is going on in his mind. He's just swimming, church. I don't even know what stroke he's using. He's just going. And he gets to shore, tired, wet, and there are no words spoken. He just looks at the fish, looks back at Jesus, He sits down and he just keeps staring at Jesus. He just wants to be close to him. The catch, forgotten, worries, now gone. Is this the same guy from Luke 5? As if to say, is spending time with Jesus what life is really all about? Is being in the presence of Jesus what really brings perspective to our lives? Do you know this Jesus church, the one who is everything? Can you imagine Peter on that boat? Jesus is here. He knows what I did. I do not care. Get me to him. I am not the captain of my own ship. He is. And I can trust him because he is a, a star breather. He is a planet maker with the very same gentle voice. Come and have breakfast. He says the word earth and it appears. Ladies and gentlemen, for the three years Jesus taught on this planet, if he dies like every other man, woman, boy, or girl who has ever lived, then his words are just empty and hollow. But if this man who claimed to be God, claimed to forgive sins, if this man who hung on a wooden cross between two thieves as he was mangled and unrecognizable, if this man who said from that cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, he is either a lunatic talking to no one or he's actually talking to the Father. And the Father and Son are communicating and he's communicating to the world that their sins are being paid for. The Bible goes on to say that for hours the sun went dark. Darkness covered the earth and even the earth responded to the fact that its designer had been killed by the ones he created. The Bible says the sun went dark. The rocks began to shake. Dead people began to rise. That the universe as we know it was off kilter because the one who had made it died. And it tells us that the Roman soldier, the one who stood at the foot of the cross, that Roman soldier declared that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, was innocent. That was his testimony. Or we could go to the ones that stood there that day to be entertained by the death of Jesus. For the Bible says they left the crucifixion beating their chest, saying something we did here today was not right. Oh, church family, I beg you to understand that Jesus is everything. I ask you to come into his presence and find a peace only he can give. 
Jesus never claimed to be a good man. He claimed to be the God man. My brothers and sisters, as we prepare for Easter coming up, I ask you to sit as he's calling you to have breakfast with him, as he's calling you into his presence, to leave your worries behind and drop to your knees and let a peace pass as you find his presence. And if you do not know him, church, you do not know this Jesus who hung on that cross for you. The Bible says you call on his name and you are saved. Church, I ask you, whatever this world has to offer, do not be fooled by the highs and lows that is coming our way. That Jesus is peace and he loves you and he wants a relationship with you and he wants to do something in your life even today. As his calm, gentle voice is calling you to him to sit in his presence, church. Would you pray with me this morning? Oh, Father, as we look towards the Easter season that's coming up and are reminded of what you did for us, Father, I ask that we find our peace in you no matter what we are going through. Father, let us just find a calmness in your presence as we just look and we stare at you, as we just believe that we know you have something for us. You want to use us, Father. God, please use us. Use Warehouse Church as we are a vessel to this community. Thank you for what you have did for us, God. The power that raised you from the grave the Bible tells us now lives in us, Father. Let us believe that as we sit in your presence, Father, as you send us out into the community to love on people just like you loved on the disciples and taught them. Father, give us the courage and the strength to do that. And if you do not know this Jesus that I've been talking about this morning, the Bible says if you call on his name, you are saved. If you admit who he was, that he was the son of God, if you believe what he did, that he died on a cross, and three days later, proving that he was God, he rose from the dead. And if you confess your sins, you can be saved. You can have a relationship. If that is something you want to do, please just repeat after me. And it's not a special prayer, but it's just the calling of your heart towards him. Just repeat this with me. Father, thank you for Jesus. I know I am a sinner. I have done wrong. But this morning, I am believing in Jesus and who he was. Your son, your perfect son. And today I confess my sins. I am calling on your name to save me and only your name. And just thank him. Thank you, God, for saving me today. Amen. If you've done that today, church. You can just go and shoot us an email at hello at warehousechurch.com. Let us know that you entered into a relationship with Jesus, and we will shoot you an email back. We will get a hold of you. We want to walk through life together with you. And before I let you go, church, just as we look to this Easter season, just call on him and find a presence because God is not done with Warehouse Church, and God is not done with you, and we love you, church. Thank you for being with us today, and we look forward to seeing you again. Have a great day.